The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. One thing I'm going to do this morning, we're going to have a really good laugh because it's good for you. We're going to do something about laughter yoga. If you've never heard of laughter yoga, you'll be hearing about it later on this morning. I promise you by 12 o'clock today, you'll laugh even despite yourself. That is regard, regardless of the nonsense that went on around the lock yesterday and other parts of the city that we're hearing about. We got a big, long email, which I'll read in, in the fullness of time. Very sad email from a listener just absolutely disgusted by what was going on around the lock yesterday. <laughs> the fellow who jumped into the water, I, I don't know who he is, I don't care who he is, but someone should have told him if he jumps into that water, COVID-19 is the least he has to worry about. To be honest, I'd be checking him for Ebola this morning after jumping into the water of the lock, but sure, that's how it is. Good morning, 1850-715-996, the number to call, the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696, the email, opinion at 96fm.ie. I trust you had an enjoyable St. Patrick's Day, whatever way you chose to enjoy it, unless you were uh, one of the mob up around the lock, in which case you should have just stayed at home and behaved yourself. Too many people gathered in one place. Same was to be said down around Electric yesterday. Like, like a beehive it was and social distance in me arse that were on top of each other and up in Bell's Field I think was pretty bad as well like can we not cop ourselves on yes it was a gorgeous St. Patrick's Day it was the most beautiful St. Patrick's Day in many many a long day but it was not a time to be getting out doing that kind of thing in the middle of a pandemic I mean is there any wonder that the pubs are, are begging to be opened and we can't open them because of that nonsense and the restaurants and the hairdressers and everybody else wondering when they're going to get open, when they're going to get trading, when they're going to get their businesses back, when they're going to get their jobs back and that nonsense going on down around the lock and down one of the places yesterday. Those people don't care about your job. They don't care about your business. They don't care about your staff and they don't care about your mental health either despite what they might say. They just care about themselves. I was very cross last night watching those videos, I have to say. Sinn Féin TD, Donagha good morning to you, Donagha. Good morning, Fon. I was very cross last night watching those videos. I think a lot of other people were too. Yeah, and certainly I got contact from a lot of local residents who were very frustrated and angry with it too. And unfortunately, this is something that we saw last summer as well, uh, during the good weather. Like, I mean, I think I would say as well, like the lock is an amenity. It's something that people enjoy. It's something that people enjoy seven days a week. I live in the locality myself and I often go for a walk around it. And there's lots of people that yesterday would have used the lock in the way that it's intended. They would have gone for a stroll. Uh, they might have sat down for only a few minutes. They would have enjoyed the weather. I don't have a problem with that, provided that people are taking the right precautions. One of the problem is that in and around half past five, six o'clock, I think that large crowds started congregating they weren't obviously social distancing uh, and that's a problem in itself but even aside from that, even aside from the issues around COVID and everything connected to that and the implications of it mm. you know, it's, it's profoundly unfair on local residents and this is an issue going back a number of years um, and people in Lock Villas and Lockview Terrace and Lock Park like there were, I was getting calls from people, from families who had seen some of the people who had been down at the lock urinating on the walls just by their houses. Some of these uh, residents had young children and they're trying to raise their children in these streets. And that's just 
no matter where you live, that is just not acceptable. Mm. Uh, it is profoundly unfair on those residents uh, to be have to be dealing with this more or less every summer, really. Uh, and I do think, you know, look, I appeal to people to, you know, if they're going to use the lock, use it in a sensible way, keep mm. social distancing. Obviously, it's not a place for drinking, but certainly... The, well, it's actually illegal to drink in a place is, like that. Is, look, I mean, look, we all know that. I mean, it's been happening anyway, but... Um, it is illegal, um, but like most of all, I would ask people to respect local residents. Is is just to think about your own family and your own home, and if if you know people who are urinating urinating outside the doorway, throwing rubbish around the place, cans, all that kind of stuff. It's just it's disrespectful, and it's 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 very very hard on local residents to have to experience that every summer. Now, what was being blamed last night on social media, Donacha, was this. 5k. They're saying, oh, well, where else are we supposed to go when we're locked to within 5k? I would take a bet in any betting shop that had have me this morning that there was a lot of people there that were nowhere near 5k from home. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously I can't prove that that's the Neither case. Neither can I, but I'm just telling you. I, 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 wouldn't, be it. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all, PJ. And, like, I mean, look, I think most of the people in the locality that use it regularly use it in a very sensible way. Yes. Uh, people in the lock and Ballyfehan and Greenmount, they'll go down and they'll stroll around it and they might sit down for a while. And but you know, Donica, what I told you yesterday, and I have, I have good friends who live down there, one particular family who've been friends for many a long day, and I was thinking of them yesterday afternoon, themselves and their little daughter. That's their garden. And, and they would not be the kind of people who would have gone out and, and dealt with that kind of a crowd. They would they would have stayed in out of it yesterday, so as not have to mingle with that. Yeah, no, and look, I mean, I I know that there's lots of people who would have gone down towards the lock on different occasions and saw that it was so crowded and decided to stay away. And like, look, I mean, I hope we can get beyond those days that we can uh, that we have to be making decisions about how crowded a place is before we can go into it. But yeah. like, I mean, I do think that. Uh, you know, even aside from the crowds, and the crowds are a concern for an awful lot of people, you know, when scenes are, uh, you know, a bit disturbing and a bit rowdy, uh, it's not a place that you want to be bringing children when there's drinking going on, when there's all that kind of messing that's going on. Mm. And, you know, so people aren't people aren't going to make use of the amenity. And it is a beautiful amenity. It's one of my favourite places in Cork, I'm sure it is for an awful lot of people. Indeed, yeah. um, but, you know, it's being denied to people when things like that are happening. And, you know, for some people then as well, as I say, in the estate and the streets immediately adjoining the lock, particularly at the northern end towards the lock church, like they have no choice. Like yeah. they, they're confronted with this regardless. And it's them I think I would be most concerned about in all of this. Um, because, like, this isn't just in the last 12 months. Uh, it's going on much beyond that. Yeah, time. in fairness it is. But you're talking about people urinating against the wall. John is suggesting maybe a few more public toilets might solve that problem. Well, I think it would certainly be a help uh, and I think it is something that should be considered for the area of the lock and probably all of our public parks, to be honest. Um, we don't have enough in that regard um, and I think the City Council should be providing more in that regard. But all the same, I would still be appealing to people to, you know, to behave themselves and to yeah. hop on when they're out in public places, not to be, you know... If, if we do end up in Level 5 uh, for several weeks more, the weather's on the turn um, and, and we've got a beautiful bit of spring the last few days. And if we got a nice bit of weather over Easter, Dunica, this is going to happen again and again and again and again. How do we prevent it? 
Well, like, I mean, the first thing is just that I'd again appeal to people's sense of cop on and just to, you know, just to be sensible and be thoughtful and considerate of the residents there. Other than that, like, I mean, I think, you know, I hope that the restrictions do ease uh, and I hope that people do have the option to travel further and to to go to amenities, you know, more spread out kind of way that they're not all concentrated in the, in the same few places over the next while. But I think, you know, we do need to ensure that the, the visibility of Gardaí is there. Um, in fairness, I do think that they responded quickly yesterday. But yeah, but there was about I four thought, of them for that crowd, like. Yeah, I know. I, well, like, I mean, I think even despite the small number, I think that they were really successful in moving people on. But the point is that the, the Gardaí are most useful as a deterrent. So if people see that the Gardaí are out and around on their beat before they're dealing with the situation and that's the most effective use uh, so I think we need to see more Garda visibility I think to be fair or hasn't got the number of additional Garda in recent years that I would have liked that Dublin or Limerick or Drada might have got uh, and we've been pushing that but so that needs to carry on but I think and I know the, the comments from Councillor McFinn about a localised policing plan for the lock uh, and probably for a lot of our public parks because there's a number of them and you mentioned some of them yourself that some of these issues you know, and sometimes at night uh, in some of the other parks nearby have had policing problems so maybe there is a need for a very specific dedicated policing approach to our public parks. Okay, leave it there, Donica. Thank you very much, Donica Lera, Sinn Féin TD for Cork, South Central, indeed, a resident of that general area. Government needs to give more space to people. People were packed into one area. Will they ever give us more than the 5K? That would help. Two points on that. One, I reckon that an awful lot of people at the lock yesterday were not within their 5K and, and were just gathering. Plus the fact that there's lots more in your 5K. You don't have to go within... You don't have to go to one place. Walk around the flipping block if you a couple of times. Now, look, I, before anyone, and I know straight away, after what I put up on my social media on Tuesday, I know that people are going to start attacking me because I was in the lucky position, and I stressed the very lucky position, to be able to take my son to Fountainstown on Tuesday. And we just sat down on the beach for an hour, made an ice cream and, and, and a cup of coffee in, in Angela's, and we just had a lovely afternoon. And I am extremely lucky that we are able to have a letter in our possession that allows us to do that. I wouldn't dream of it without that letter. I wish I didn't have to have that letter. I wish my, didn't, my son didn't need that kind of letter for us to be able to go and take him to the sea, which calms him and, and, and all that. So therefore, I, 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 I know I speak from a, a place of difference here, and I accept that wholeheartedly. But still, when I saw the videos coming in last night from the lock, I just thought, God almighty, would you go home and have a bit of sense. We got a fabulous email, a very sad email, actually, from Kira, which I shall read next. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Griffin's new chipping potatoes are specially grown to make the perfect homemade chip. Fluffy inside and crunchy outside. Now in store. Corks 96 FM. 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Dermot says wasn't only in the city there was gangs of teens in the college grounds in Middleton at the cricket field drinking all day, climbing over the hospital wall and through Middleton Rugby Club to gain access. They were called but couldn't get in. They ran when they saw the Gardaí but came back later. Big parties in Carrigaline. They weren't young people. I heard last night of one estate in Carrigaline. I shall not name it because I want to keep the identity of the person who showed me uh, a secret for themselves, but a massive bouncy castle on the green in the middle of an estate in Carrigaline. For the love and honour of God, would people get it into their thick skulls? You can't do that these days. Oh, please, like. I never thought Gardaí not arresting or finding people would be newsworthy. The, the, the <laughs> The queues outside the off-licenses were unreal. There was at least 30 people queuing outside my local one at one o'clock. I wasn't the slightest bit surprised what happened after. I have a teenage daughter. I was terrified to even take her out for a walk for fear of boisterous behaviour or even friendly drunk behaviour that could get us the COVID. What else? There's loads more coming in. People just very upset by yesterday. I want to read that email. I'm going to hold on to it, though, until I talk to Mick Moriarty the Baldy Barber, because I mentioned businesses who are struggling at this stage and businesses who are now closed down for a year or more. And we all know the reasons and we all know the restrictions and we all know the public health advice. So that's that's not where I'm going. But how it must have felt yesterday for, for a business person whose business is closed for a year or the most of it, to look at that carry-on yesterday and think, when am I going to be able to open my little business, my little shop, my little pub, my little restaurant, my barber? When am I going to be able to open that that business again? And they're really not flipping helping, is the thought going through a lot of business people's minds yesterday. Mick Moriarty, Baldy Barber in Blackpool. Mick, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. I think that was going through your mind. Ah, this is absolutely terrible. And then if this carries on, we won't be open until June. Yeah. I'll be quite honest. I mean, all the gathering of crowds like this is going to have a fierce impact on businesses reopening and trying to get it back some normality. Yeah, yeah. You hear, you see comments on social media, oh, they're living their lives and enjoying the free, fresh air. Yeah. Well, I, I personally think uh, we'd be better off yesterday if it was lashing rain for the day because we wouldn't have the gathering of these people, unfortunately then people would crack up at home. I mean, I was in Bedding County yesterday morning, half past nine, walking Regional Park, where I live. Yeah. And I can tell you, at half past eleven, we had to walk away from it to get back onto the road because there were so many people walking there. It yeah. was absolutely jointed. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? I but suppose I, if I they were all within the their five kids, they were all entitled, you know? The army should be called out, PJ, in these things. I mean, you know, very hard to blame young people. Oh, sunshine... They want to get out and get a bit of sunshine, take it, go suntanning and all that. Like, But it's very, very, very difficult. Mm. Mick, you should be presently celebrating close to 55 years in business. I should you... be my 55th year last uh, Saturday, cutting hair. Yeah. And how how long have you been open for in the last 12 months? Oh, I'd say about, 
less than six months. Less than six months. And the Barber's Society of Ireland, I must admit, I didn't know that such a thing existed. We last year. Right. You're asking to be allowed open, but under level five restrictions, personal services are just not allowed, Mick. No, no. <clears throat> and I can tell you now, PJ, we have discussed, we have a Zoom meeting on next Monday night. The gang of us, there is no chairperson, no president. We all just come together and we all get jobs to do. Uh, who will do this, who will do that, you know, and they're a great crowd, and we will look for more barbers to join. But the one thing that they have come up now so far is this, is that they think that a lot of the young people won't be going back into barbershops at the moment because they've bought so many clippers. The middle-aged for like 35, 40, who likes the hairstyle, not a zero underneath, and that's it, and these fees that they call them, like, these guys won't be going back to the barbershops anymore. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of a lot of barbershops and hairdressers who are renting. Some of the landlords are very, very good, but some of the landlords are terrible. I I have a, a lad who worked for me, and he's down in Kerry. He's paying full rent all the time, and he's also had to pay two and a half thousand maintenance money there recently just to keep the place outside tidy. Yeah. Now yeah. you can't you can't keep going like that, Peter. Yeah. There's no way. Are there rate supports for you? Are there we paid rates last year, PJ. People think, I was in my shop Christmas week and a guy said to me, oh, sure, you're getting this, you're getting that. I said, stop, I said. Don't kid yourself. I took out my, I said, I go to the car, brought in my checkbook, I said, here you are. And when the lad's inside walked me, he said, you don't have the letter at all. He said, because, he said, you have the receipt there, he said, from the city hall, showing that you paid your rates for the period that you're open. And you know what a lot of landlords are doing as well is that they have the rates included in the rent and they're not giving the relief to the tenant. I see. Which is very, very wrong. Have you some problem as well as barbers, Mick, getting a business interruption insurance support? No, we won't get it. You won't get it? Why we not? We won't get it. Uh, I've, I've, uh, my insurance renewal is up on the 10th of April. Now, it hasn't, uh, I, I'm with the same crowd, and uh, they haven't, uh, they've increased insurance only by 62 euro. I just saw that the other day. Yeah. But they told me that I, I, I don't have a claim for interruption of business. No, I'm not letting it go. Right. Because I'm like a little Jack Russell. I bite at your ankles all the time. Until, right. Until have you, are you looking at legal action here, Mick? Um, yes, I have, I have given to my niece, who's my solicitor, and uh, what they call it, um, She's looking into the whole situation. Because I was very, me. I was very surprised to, to, to read that 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 the barbers like yourself make a leave it there for today. Thanks a million, and uh, interesting to know that the new Barbers Society of Ireland set up mid-pandemic to try to campaign for the small local barber like Mick who's there for 50 something years and took the business over from his father before him and I think grandfather before him the Barbers Association of Ireland their businesses have been interrupted by COVID-19 and he tells me they're not entitled to any insurance cover which is a very interesting one 1850 wait till the Easter weekend then you'll see the number of people around the lock good morning PJ can you tell me are pubs supposed to be closed because if they are why are they allowed to open to sell takeaway alcohol as for selling coffee pubs don't need to be open to sell coffee there's plenty of coffee shops open and local shops that sell coffee and furthermore it's not a public order offence to drink alcohol in a public place is it not yes it is if it is why is it not being enforced that all comes in from Avril the takeaway pints thing I don't know why but Michal Martin said when he brought in level 5 this time that, and I quote, there's no business selling takeaway pints. But it's not actually banned. That it, It's not actually banned under level five. I, I know not why, but it isn't. 
but that's where they're doing it. If it's not banned, they'll do it. I knew what would happen. It was a lovely day, but I stayed in. What about my mental health, says Tony? Do you know how I knew it would be bad? By noon, there was litter blowing in the wind past my house. There was 400 people storming through my road, and all we hear is more student complexes coming in. There's not enough facilities for them to get a bag of chips even. It's ridiculous what's going on in the lock and the Barrack Street and College Road. Catherine says open the restaurants. At least it would be organised. I live in Lehenamore. Gangs and gangs of youths coming in up and down the hill all night. What are the guards doing? Too many cautions. Not enough punishment. I was down the walk from Harvey Norman to the Dean Rock and Toker. The litter and filth left behind is a disgrace. Usually the parties are held in the Wella, the long underpass. Not well, by young teenagers illegally drinking. That's bad enough. But it's the dirt and the broken glass that will not be cleared up. Dog walkers run the risk of their pets with getting injured paws. Regards, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Uh, I'm a bus driver, says Martin. Wreck worked all evening. Not one bit of hassle all day, so all's not that bad. Good good on you, Martin. I'm delighted for you. But there was a lot of hassle going on off the bus, as you may be sure of it. Hey, Finn, good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good. You were headed down the Bandon Road. Yeah, about 11 o'clock yesterday morning, and it was like rag week. Um, the queue outside, the ga- off-licence, I was going to stop the car and say, lads, Lennox is on the other side of the road because it was so busy, and people were just falling around the place. Yeah. And my point is that it wasn't just St. Patrick's Day, it's been warming up all weekend. Um, I've christened our road um, breakfast roll and beer because you see them heading out as soon as the off-licence open, and 20 minutes later they're coming back with slabs of beer and breakfast rolls, and they're not locals. Um, they, you know, there's other people around the lock, young enough, I would think, in that age group. There's a few teenagers, but people around the lock are settled, and they don't go down the lock sitting down drinking. So there was no local people there. Yeah. So you're right, you'd have won that bet that nobody was from the locality. Mm. Now, I get it that people are very frustrated being tied up within their 5K, but at the same time, and I'm very conscious of my own privilege, as it were, to be able to go outside because of this exemption that we have for James. We don't do it very often, by the way. But, like, when you see a massive crowd in the lock, turn around and go home. Don't add to it. Absolutely. And, like, you're lucky in the sense that, like, I, the last time I worked was Christmas Eve. And I've been sitting down waiting for the, the call from my boss to say we're going back to work. And I would I would feel that yesterday, if the pubs and the restaurants were open and people were following the COVID guidelines, that everybody would have had a good day and the lock scenes wouldn't have come about. Now, the guards were there. They cleared them up. But the guards can't sit there all day. They have to move on and do other jobs. And it, it wasn't just the lock. And don't get me wrong, it was all, all over the city. But oh, yeah. Bell's Field was, was like, a, like a beehive again, down by electric. And electric, electric is closed. But you can't blame people, like you said, you can't blame people for getting out with the day that was in it and we've been cooped up for so long. But, True. you know, maybe at this time around, if they, they said, right, when the schools are going back, maybe ease off on the on the licensing and, and the, let the bars and the restaurants open under a controlled environment like it was over. I know people are saying Christmas had all hiked up and it went mental. But, like, what's going to happen in two weeks' time when the, when the, when the, the numbers come out from what mm. happened yesterday? Everywhere all over the city, you, you, you mentioned Carrigaline. I'm sure there's, there, there's not a town or a park in the city that was... Fitzgerald's Park was rammed as well yesterday. Yeah. But there's people around here, because um, I live on the lock, that are not near the lock and there's people around here that's their their only kind of respite during the day they get out for an hour to walk around the lock go home whatever couldn't budge outside the door simply because there was people that weren't from the area 
taking it over. And that clown that jumped into the lock, yeah, we used to do it as kids. You know, we cycled across it when it was covered in ice and we had great times down there. But not this day and age. You wouldn't be going in that water, do you know? Mm, yeah, but that's, I suppose, it was just one symptom. It was the video that hit, but there was loads going on. And there is a distinction, I guess, Finn, between people having a proper socially distanced walk within their 5K, getting out and enjoying some sunshine safely. It's a huge distinction between that and big crowds gathering around, falling over one another, with uh, uh, bags of cans, not a yeah. social, no, not even not social distancing in the in in the slightest. I met a couple on Douglas. I had to go to the shop for my mum. I went down to Douglas Street. And I met a couple that that I know quite well, and, and they'd be older than you and I. And they were out for a cycle, and they wanted a cup of coffee, and they were afraid to go on to the onto the park, onto the South Terrace, and cycle into town for coffee. And they went to that. They went to the coffee shop that's based in the flower shop in Douglas because they were afraid. Mm. And the fear on them, oh, we don't want to go in there just in case. Like, it's become a case now that, that the people that can get out will get out and the people that are that, that want to go out can't get out. It's, it's a fear factor that's mm. going to get worse. And, like, if they opened up the schools and if they've opened up things and look, let the kids go back to playing sport uh, under controlled environment and let the restaurants open up again because we're coming into the time where people will want to sit outside anyway. Yeah. So you could socially distance easily 50, 60 people in some premises and then it's controlled. Whereas the lock yesterday and again, other parts of the city, there was absolutely no control. Mm, I was in, I mean, I was in your place of work pre-Christmas and I'd, I'd have mm-hmm. to say, Finn, that I, I couldn't see a single breach of the rules. Not a single breach. I thought it was fine. But at the same time, there was an, an awful lot of mess that went on in other premises and they, they're not going to open the restaurants. They're definitely not going to open them on the numbers we have right now. And when they see the behaviour yesterday, that's, like that kind of behaviour leads to you guys being closed for longer. But PJ, the thing about it is that you, you mentioned it there this morning and McMoriarty, like McMoriarty is as much as Cork as Christy Ringbridge at this stage. And, yeah. you know, every time he comes on, he's brilliant to listen to. But the businesses that have spent money to get open you know, it's, it's run into 35, 40,000 to make businesses compliant for the COVID. But yet they're keeping us closed. And now in two weeks' time, in three weeks' time, the carrot's been dangled. Oh, we might open you up. We might do this. Yes. I can't see it happening. I can't see, you know, I was chatting to Brian over the weekend. And I think we, we're going to write a Christmas menu and just hope that we get open for that. Yeah, that's 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 depressing, Finn, and I hope it's better than that for you. I really do, because I've many, many thanks, Finn. I've many, many friends in the restaurant and the pub trade, and they're tearing their hair out. But I'm thinking particularly of, and I was only discussing this yesterday with the wife who was sitting out the back garden. Is what we did yesterday in the sunshine. Like, think of the small country pub, particularly now in a part of Ireland, part of County Cork, we'd say that hasn't had a case in weeks because the numbers are so good that certain parts of the county haven't had a case in weeks and they're still closed and they will be closed under level 5 and what happened yesterday isn't helping them there's a law preventing drinking in public and public defecation both are very very serious dangers to society in different ways you should have seen Bishop Lucy Park I wanted to bring my kids for a walk there and I can tell you from experience no other place in Europe would tolerate what I saw. I'm not thinking about the odd fella drinking a can. You could see that everywhere. But that park was second only to the lock for what was going on. I wanted to bring my daughter there to see the birds and the nature. Let's be honest, we just don't take people in hand that are pure thugs and don't care for anybody. 
Did anyone see the age of some of the kids holding the cans in the lock yesterday? The cops just sending them home. It was the same in Bell's Field. We need to stop saying there's no harm in it. It'll be next year's tragic stories or the years afterwards. And then you guess they should just vaccinate the 18 to 35s and let them get on with life. Oh, yeah. PJ, I live near UCC. People up on roofs roaring and drinking. I rang the landlord. He rang the tenants. They denied it. End of story. Young people need a big place to drink and drink. Is there a big field somewhere? I can't enjoy my home or my garden. Uh, PJ, I understand the behaviour of the lock last night was just plain stupid on some people's part. However, there's been a lot of campaigns lately for people to mind their mental health and get out and exercise more. The ads on the radio, the TV, the internet, they're everywhere. People need to do this. The nonsense of bringing in the army is a joke. We're not a totalitarian state for crying out loud. Some people are calling for the army to clear the gangs like happened yesterday and let the rest of us who just want to go out and do it properly actually do that. Like people that were living around the lock and living around that area, they stayed in yesterday, hundreds of them, because they couldn't go out. The lock is their local place, their place to walk, their dogs. To... They didn't go. People stayed in their homes yesterday. Jesus, it took like the Garvahi Road. People stayed in their homes and couldn't come out because of the mob outside. 1850 71596. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork's Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here. The score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we bring you Ireland versus England in the Six Nations. The big local derby between Cork City and Cove Ramblers and it's Leicester City versus Manchester United in the FA Cup quarterfinals. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. With Foley's Plumbing. When it comes to solving your plumbing problems, they're in a league of their own. See foleysplumbing.ie. Right here, right On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96 FM. Paul says thank you Paul um, for the information worth checking the takeaway points come under the same laws as off license PJ so to make them illegal they'd have to shut the off licenses down which they won't do for several reasons that's worth checking it is a partial explanation Paul but under public health legislation and let's not forget this for a second. Under the Public Health Act of 1947, as amended last year, the government could, if it wanted to, shut down the takeaway points in the pubs because it would be a case of, in the public interest, you can't do that. Uh, 1850-715-996. We're just checking up the, the ins and outs of that. This came in to us from Kira. Now, there's a bit of a read in this, so just bear with me. Hi, I'd really love to talk about this because it's been going on for so long. Also, we've gone through COVID with my granddad, so we saw firsthand the damage it does. We had to have his funeral during Level 5. 
This is on my mom's doorstep. So it's really a kick in the teeth for her to see and for others who've lost loved ones. Only for social media last night, the guards wouldn't have come. It's the first time since last March they've cleared the gangs. There are pictures and videos of the lock on St. Patrick's Day outside my parents' house. The guards have been contacted a number of times by different residents to no avail. The guards simply drive by, slow down, look at the crowds and continue to drive on, regardless of whether the crowds are within their 5K or not. The number of people gathered in close proximity is totally disregarding COVID restrictions. There was a checkpoint on the Lock Road earlier on in the day. The Gardaí stopped a woman in her car and were questioning her about coming from Douglas. And all of this crowd gathering was happening right next to them on the grass. There's gangs of people drinking, messing and screaming. There's clearly no social distancing. You can see it in the pictures. It's just one large group. People are getting out of taxis and off of buses with bags of drink. These people will stay here all night and disturb the residents into the early morning, as they did last night and other nights. Toker Gardi were contacted about a gang kicking down the gate to the cafe. This has been an ongoing problem for residents of the lock, and, and the Toker Gardi have been contacted hundreds of times. They never seem to do anything. In the current Level 5 restrictions, there's no outdoor gathering allowed to take place. Shops, businesses, construction, hospitality are all closed and following the guidelines. People are out of work, businesses are struggling to keep afloat and to reopen, yet there's hundreds at the lock blatantly breaking the restrictions in front of the Gardaí and nothing is being done about it. Our family had to bury my grandfather on the 8th of February. We were restricted to 10 people at his funeral. My grandfather was a hugely popular man who deserved a proper funeral and a proper send-off. He didn't get a rosary or a removal. We had to choose who was allowed into the church. While travelling to visit his grave, we were stopped at checkpoints and quizzed by Gardaí. So many others have to go through through this too. I wish it on nobody. It's soul-destroying. Just to pause for a second, Kira, you are allowed visit a grave. You're allowed leave your 5K to visit a grave, which is at least one good thing. Back to the email. This is a slap in the face for frontline workers for family who've lost loved ones to COVID, for people who've had to bury a loved one during restrictions, for people who've not seen family in months in order to keep them safe, and for grandparents who've not been able to hug or kiss their grandchildren. On the news last night, it was reported Gardaí were going to be on patrol across the country in key locations to ensure the 5K travel restriction and outside gatherings were being adhered to. I consider the lock a key location for gatherings considering it's a problem since last March and has been highlighted to Toka Garda Station numerous times. Must we continue to listen to our government telling us that people will be fined for breaking guidelines and then witness Gardaí in patrol cars blatantly seeing these crowds but not enforcing the government rules? I understand it's outside, it's a nice day, people can't be locked up in their house. But this is not people simply out for fresh air. For anyone who wants to break these guidelines, I sincerely hope you never have to see what COVID can do to a loved one. Or you never have to bury a loved one during lockdown. And that's from Kira, uh, who lives in the general area of the lock. 1850-715-996. I am almost fit to bang my head off the table here 
when I read the story. Yesterday in the Examiner, I read the story of children like Andy who are left in limbo waiting for a secondary school place. These are children on the spectrum who also have an intellectual disorder and they come to the end of their primary school and there is no secondary. And this is not a new problem. This goes back many, many years. Mary Hickey is Andy's mom. Mary, good morning. Morning, PJ. Tell me about Andy. 12, isn't he? And finishing up in Skullcara. Andy's due to finish in Skullcara this June. And um, he's due to transition to second year. But unfortunately, uh, Skullcara fits the criteria for Andy, but he's oversubscribed. Yeah. And... um, this is this should have been flagged years ago when Andy was first diagnosed because there should be a plan put in place because even though Cara is a brilliant school, the kids have to vacate the school at 12. Yeah. Which makes no sense because a lot of all the special schools cater for kids right up to the age of 18. Yes. But Cara don't. And it has no direct feeder school. Yeah, because obviously... When Andy leaves or would leave, there's another child waiting to come in the other end to begin yeah. their years there, and it's a difficult situation. So you've been trying to get him into Trieste and, and to other places, but there's just nothing there. There's nothing there. And like the Sino's um, option to us is home tuition. No home tuition for an autistic child is not the answer because they need the socialisation. They need, they need the familiarity with other kids. Yeah. They need a routine. They need a routine. And home home tuition wouldn't wouldn't suit Andy because we're after being enforced home tuition for the last 12 months on account of COVID. And it has been soul-destroying frenzy. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, another little adventure, which is a huge part of his day, is the independence of getting to and from. He gets transport, he gets a taxi. And that's an, an independent life skill frenzy. And if, if home tuition would take that life skill away from him. Yeah. Because the socialisation aspect of Andy wouldn't happen. Yes. And to Andy, Andy, home is home, school is school. Yeah. Yes. And like, I, I have three older siblings to Andy, and they went through the education system without a bother. Yes. But it may, it's heartbreaking to think that the children that are most vulnerable and need the most help are forgotten about by a system. What's making me most annoyed about this, Mary, is looking, people may as well know, you and I know each other many years. Uh, we're all family friends, both our families. So you know what what we went through in our situation many years ago so, yeah, with our lad. Yeah, and it's a disgrace that it's happening to kids all over Cork this year again and it'll only it's only escalating like people knew when Cara was setting up where were the kids going to go yeah, yeah. but there was no forward thinking yeah you know yeah. And, and saying oh we're so sorry to hear that Andy hasn't got a place isn't good enough because that's only lip service yes we need action we need we need we need either trace uh, to expand, which they have no room to do so. That's the thing. They've already done it. Yeah. Geraldine Bond is a force Fantastic. of nature. And yeah. and her staff are wonderful, wonderful. They can't take another child to yeah. save their lives. That is heartbreaking. Cara, 
carries the same, it's full to capacity, but our kids can't leave the school setting at 12 years of age. It's ridiculous to be putting the kids in limbo. Yeah. And you're like, the only other alternative is a new school. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, there should be another Trieste, another version of Trieste. Yeah, you know... At like, least one more version of Trieste in the city. Like, years ago, they turned a hotel into a school. They did? The Grail School in, yeah. in um, Glenmire, yes? Yeah. The Old Ibis, yeah. Yeah. They had porch cabins in an amenity park for years. Yes. Do you know, there is... there. If, if if the forward thinking and if the will to do it was there, they, it could be done. What makes people particularly cross, Mary, in, in the situation that you're in now, is if Andy didn't have the limitations that he has. Oh, he'd fly through it, that's what I said. That's he could I, be picking his school. Yeah, yes. Like, we'd say, when, the, when my girls went to secondary school, they applied in September, they knew where they were going by October. For yeah. the following year. And he needs routine. He needs he needs to know what's happening. Yeah. And How is he? Is he worried? Is he talking about it? He, he's anxious. Like getting back to school, even we'd say in the last fortnight. Like it was so it's so it's so challenging for him at the minute because the uncertainty and throw the uncertainty of not knowing in September that he's not going to school. Yeah. Does he it, does he get stressed not knowing he, what's happening? He does, he does. He's 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 an anxious little boy. Yeah. No, he's a very good boy, but he gets very anxious. Yes. yes. You know, and like this whole the COVID has thrown uncertainty and like uncertainty into into everything, and it's after escalating with Andy. You know that like yesterday was Patrick's Day. Patrick's Day, there should be a parade. You know, this is the second year now, and so confusing. He was so rigid with his scheduling, and he's a very black and white child. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's no grey. There's no grey, and it's so it's so hard at the minute for for kids on the spectrum. Yeah, it is. It is, and moreover, when and and to be fair, the system has improved dramatically at primary level. Oh, definitely. Dramatically in yeah. the number of, But still, there's nothing there for them in secondary school. No, and like as I said, throw in another diagnosis on top of it and you might as well. Yeah. You know, it, it's so wrong. Yeah. All right. Mary, listen, thanks for that and uh, give, give him an old hug for me, won't you? I will. Thanks, PJ. It's a great little lad. That's Mary Hickey. Um... Mother of Andy Hickey from Farmers Cross, Mary and Eugene are his parents, wonderful people. And again, going through, he's 12. And as other people mentioned in Jess's article, like Kyla from uh, Ballyvalan, and then there's uh, Abby from Blackpool, and, and loads of other children in this position. And I can remember years ago speaking, as I had the privilege of doing every year when I was the MC and the host of the Cabas Ball, which you'll remember, Cabas School. Uh, I MC'd that event. Oh, God, four, five, six years on the trot. And every year we'd have the Minister for Education or a representative in the audience. And they would speak a few minutes. But I remember when Bat O'Keefe was Minister for Education. Local man. And his Cork South Central was his constituency at the time. And Bat was Minister for Education. And that's not today nor yesterday now. And I remember saying that night, both to him personally when I was speaking to him off stage, but when I responded to his speech, I said, Minister, these kids 
who are going into primary school now, thank you for the places. Thank you for what you're doing for the children who are going into primary school. But now is the time to start planning for secondary school places. There should, for every child that goes into primary school, there should be a secondary school place created. I don't know how you do it. I don't care how you do it. Just need to do it. Breaking news, folks. They still haven't done it for kids like Andy and Kyla and Abby. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Lots and lots more reaction to the scenes around the lock yesterday. And how do you stop it happening going forward? You probably can't. That is the difficulty. But it wasn't just the lock. Bells Field, down there by the electric. Bishop Lucy Park, out in the county around Middleton. Anywhere where Carrigaline, massive bouncy castle in the middle of one housing estate in Carrigaline. Like such irresponsibility to be booking a big bouncy castle and, and putting kids into it in the middle of this. It's just utter and total irresponsibility, whoever, whoever did that. How do we stop it in the future? I have no idea. I really have no idea. But a big, big, big response to those different scenes this morning. I'll come back to them. Uh, I won't change topic of conversation for a little while, but I will come back to all of this because it's an ongoing problem. And I think with people looking ahead to Easter, which is two weeks Sunday. And yeah, two weeks Sunday is Easter. We just, and of course, the clocks are also going forward Saturday night week so from Sunday week next the it'll be light much more into the evenings so people are worried about these gatherings going forward over the next few weeks so I'll come back to them I will definitely come back to them 1850 the number to call the text to whatsapp is 083 396 your email opinion at 96fm.ie if you missed anything in our first hour this morning, then remember you can catch up on the Opinion Line podcast, which is available every afternoon. Goes up first on Twitter, then goes to all the various platforms, including the Cork's 96FM phone app. And you get it there free of charge, delivered automatically to your phone if you subscribe to any particular platform. A couple of weeks ago, it's a few weeks ago now, We spoke on this programme with Una Ring. It was the first major interview that Una gave after the conviction of her former work colleague, James Steele. And Una spoke to me here about how terrified he had made her feel after she rejected his advances at work. And then he stalked her and he terrified her and he threatened her and he made her life a misery for months and months on end. He's now in jail and will be doing a number of years in prison. But Una spoke to me about her experience. And indeed, she's given a number of major interviews now, following on from her first one here on the Opinion Line. She's given a number of major interviews about what it's like to be stalked. And it's a terrifying, terrifying thing to go through. But what turns somebody like James Steele into a stalker? Are they born that way? Is it something that happens in their mind for a particular reason? Is it a sickness? What is it? What turns someone, like a co-worker or someone you barely know, into a stalker who terrifies you the way James Steele 
terrified Una Ring? It's an incredible psychological question which could probably take many, many hours to answer, if not days and weeks, but we have a few minutes at least, with Dr. Kira Staunton, who's a psychologist in UCC, her area of expertise, forensic psychology, in other words, getting inside the mind of a criminal. Kira, good morning. Good morning, TJ. How are you? That was an excellent introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for taking taking our call. But I suppose getting straight to it, like what is a stalker and what turns a seemingly ordinary Joe into a stalker? Oh, well, I mean, if I had the absolute easy answer to that, PJ, I could probably make a lot of money. Um, and we don't in terms of helping people and knowing why they turn. Look, there are a number of different types. So stalking in and of itself, we understand it based on um, all the interviews that Una has done. It has really brought to light uh, the real terror that occurs for women who experience this kind of behaviour at the hands, usually of a man. Now, I should say, while it's predominantly a male-perpetrated crime, there have been cases where women have been known to stalk um, males. So it's, it's, it's not just about men. But look, there isn't an easy answer. Now, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, what might turn a co-worker? There isn't a point of turn. We must understand this. There is something going on in that individual's mind for a very long time. What happens is that the behaviours start to change. So those are the behaviours that we observe are for the victim. They start to notice. They become a little intrusive. They become maybe unwanted attention. Um, in Una's case, it was, you know, an initial unwanted hug. You know, what can may seem as an innocent behaviour in and of itself, actually there's a sense that there's something underlying this. Mm-hmm. Um, and in James Steele's case, I mean, I, would, I have described him as at the far end of the spectrum in terms of level of dangerousness and threat. We would consider somebody like James Steele to be a predatory kind of stalker. Mm. But there are many others at the other end of the spectrum who might have a mental health issue, who maybe become obsessed with an individual based on some delusions that they have, which again is an indication of perhaps an underlying psychopathology. So it's not easy to answer, PJ, um, and especially in a forum like this, but yeah. it's exactly the kind of question that bring people to our courses in UCC, um, is, is to get a deeper understanding and to yeah. see, you know, you, you, you can you, you pick out these individuals. Mm. Yeah, well, was, there's, a, there's a good point. So if you were to take, let's take James Steele now, or anybody else who's done this, Kenny, but take James Steele and take a random selection of similar type men, in other words, similar age, similar mm-hmm. background, and line them up against a wall, could you, and, and chat to them, could you as a psychologist figure out the James Steele from the others? I would love to say yes, but unlikely. Not in that kind of scenario. Um, because Again, I'm oversimplifying, you, I know. Perhaps, perhaps. I mean, there would be some, when, I, when you say talk to them, maybe, I mean, the tools of psychologists include things like assessments. So with proper kind of psychological evaluation and assessments, well then, yes there would be red flags. We would talk to an individual. But because a lot of this is hidden, and I think this is what both fascinates us um, as psychologists, but also terrifies us as people, um, is, it's, it's not very obvious. I mean, in one aspect, these individuals are, very, are living very normal lives. Um, and I think it's been so gracious of Una to kind of make reference to that, that there's another family affected in this particular case, a family who may have had no indication as to what was going on 
in this individual's head. But I can assure you, this has been going on in his head for a very long time. These are hidden kind of fantasies. There's a whole fantasy life to stalking um, because the individual gets carried away in the whole fantasy as to what they are going to do with the person. So there's an es- and that's why we see this escalation in behaviour. Do they choose their targets or is it just that this is someone who comes across their path and they decide to go and make that person a target or do they seek them out? A bit of both, uh, PJ. So they are they will always be on alert. So they will always kind of try and spot the vulnerability or spot a weakness. That's not to say the individual themselves is in any way vulnerable or weak, but there is something, there is an opportunity that the individual has caught on to. So you mentioned, you know, there is a work. So now there's a working relationship here. So what, you know, there's, what can I do in this now to take it to the next level? Mm. So as far as the victim is concerned, it's a working relationship, nothing more. But you'll see that pattern then, it will start to develop. And this has been borne out by many women who've experienced this, you know. It, it, and, and this is what it starts at. It kind of is a bit of a nuisance. Yeah. You know, but there's, there's nothing obvious. And who do, who do you tell? You might make reference to, of it to your boss, but really, what can they do? Because nothing has actually happened. So this is where the psychological piece comes in. And this is where, for the perpetrator, they immediately have control because they kind of know and they can brush off what they've done or they can explain it with an innocent explanation. But they know in that moment and the person at the receiving end knows in that moment that there's a hidden layer here that isn't very obvious. Um, and that, again, you see, will start to become repetitive. And if, you know, this adds to the perpetrators, it adds to their fantasy, they're constantly thinking about this. I mean, you never know. I say this to my students all the time. The biggest mistake we make is always judging people on our behaviours. But we have this huge life inside of our minds that isn't very observable or that we don't necessarily share. And we cannot assume that people are all thinking in the same way, are in fact feeling the same way. And that's the difference between professional psychologists and as I call them, you know, the couch psychologists are the people who are interested. And again, that's the kind of question we try and tease out in our course, in our courses. So in any kind of human interaction, in a conversation like this, for example, I mean, we're having a conversation, but I have a depth of knowledge, perhaps, and you're questioning me on that depth of knowledge. In an interaction like, for example, Una and James Steele initially, you know, what was that? What what was it in his mind? How was he perceiving the interactions, even though Una was very, very clear? And that's really important to mm. know that she was very clear in her statements about what was acceptable and not acceptable behavior from him. But that didn't stop him. And that's a mm. red flag um, because this was adding to his sense of power and control. And the longer it goes on, the longer he's getting away with it. And that gives him confidence to take it to the next level. What else can I do now and get away with so, it? So in other words, once he chose her as a target or indeed once any stalker chooses chooses someone as a target, no matter what you do, they're going to keep pursuing you. As long as they can get away with it, yeah. Yeah, they absolutely... Well, then because they come fixated then, you know, and fixation is a term we use. um, There's there's a real strong psychological draw. So um, it's not just 
um, a basic kind of obsession. We all use that word, oh, I'm obsessed with this show kind of thing, or mm. I'm obsessed with that. But actually, these are deeply entrenched cognitive thoughts that drive then and fuel um, the emotional piece, which, is, again, is hidden. Um, and oftentimes, again, you see what we're alluding to here and what we're getting to the heart of is the sexual component to these crimes. Yeah. And, and that would have been, as we saw with this particular case, that was the end game for him. Um, and thank God it didn't, it didn't get that far, thankfully. Yes. But, you know, th- that is the hidden kind of sexual component to this particular case. And yes. many cases of stalking do have a hidden underlying sexual component to it. But it starts out, and many women who experience kind of any kind of course of control, domestic violence, um, that has a sexual component to it, that, again, is just driven by a sense of power and control on the part of the perpetrator. Yeah. It's just another way of exerting their power and control. And that, unfortunately, is at the heart of gender-based violence. Now, we speak, we, you spoke earlier about how James Steele was at something like the extreme end of, of, of the scale. But there's probably an awful lot of, of smaller scale uh, behaviour out there, nonetheless just as objectionable. So, in a time when we are focusing so so much on gender-based violence in the last days and weeks. How can somebody spot the dangers, be it the, like this case, the the work colleague or the the person you barely know from seeing them down the park? How can you spot that something isn't right? Well, you or I might be able to, but we need to listen. We need to listen to the people who are experiencing it and we need to take it seriously and we need to not write it off. So a victim perception is very important. So we might observe a behaviour and we might just laugh it off maybe. Um, you know, I remember, you know, as a child in our day, PJ, you know, was the flasher. Remember that term in school? You know, oh, yeah. if you thought you might see a flasher and, you know, it was kind of half terrifying, but you'd laugh it off. It was kind of silly behaviour. Um, but from the, the person who, who's doing that, you know, there is an issue there that needs to be dealt with. Um, but it's, again, it's about that perception. So if a woman claims to be you know, in this situation and she's feeling this sense of threat that may not be very observable to other people, we need to kind of take that seriously. And we need to, you know, for whoever hears that, whether it's the boss at work or whether it's it's a family member or a friend or, you know, the police, if, you know, you can get to the police, we need to listen to women first and foremost and recognise, because women will see the red flags and oftentimes they say, does something actually need to happen before I'm protected? Now, you're into the area of legislation there too. Yeah. I mean, at what point do we have to wait for until the police can step in and actually do something and that's again tricky because that is where sometimes they are powerless due to the lack of legislation at their hands. So I mean coercive control legislation is a fantastic piece of legislation which means that Gardaí can operate but you know the threat when the threats have been made and if threats have been verbalised that's a very serious thing I mean and that is a red flag because if you're threatening to do something you know there's no nobody can say that they won't carry that out. Now, the individual themselves might say, oh, I never intended to do that. But how is the victim supposed to know? Yes, exactly. It is there nonetheless. And is it a fair assessment of a situation to to say, if someone is talking to you about a situation they're in, if, if it feels wrong, it probably is wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an... 
and it's the kind of thing we, we, we try and instill in our children, you know, without telling them, obviously, it's that inner sense. If this feels wrong, it is wrong. Go with your gut. Um, and ideally, as adults, if there's any way we can capture any evidence, um, that will become very important because, again, it's the evidence that will, will, will can take you to the Garda Shikana and ideally um, that they can then take it into their hands and, and do something with it. But I'm very conscious that before even that stage, there's just an awful lot of people putting up with an awful lot of uh, unwanted attention, um, irrational kind of behaviour, making people's lives in misery, but they haven't actually done anything specific that you can catch them on. Yeah. Um, and again, there is, a, there is, again, as I say, there is a whole continuum here between the likes of James Steele, as I say, who knows exactly what he's doing, is very much in control. He's rehearsed this in his mind over and over and over again, and he enjoys that. That's part and parcel of his psychological makeup in terms of this crime. But again, on the other end of the spectrum, there may be some people who are vulnerable and they may have what we call as kind of like erotomania style of delusional behavior, but they don't have the social skills perhaps to yeah. approach somebody. So they, what they are doing is they're engaging in similar nuisance style behaviors, but the intent is slightly different. Do you know what I mean? You know, so those people are vulnerable themselves and we it's need to protect them. It's a very complex area. How, how can people get involved in the course you run at UCC, Karen? Anybody is welcome to take my course, PJ. I work in a centre for adult continuing education, and we pride ourselves on the fact that actually education is we give access to everybody. Google our adult education website. We have a whole host of courses. I have two particular ones. One is called The Criminal Mind, and it's like that. It's for people. It's an interest-only course, and you know, it's always full because like that, it's the people who read the true crime novels who are interested in these kind of cases and, and they want to get a sense. But, and ideally then, when people do that, it builds their confidence around coming back to education, coming to a university, and they may progress into uh, something that would be one of our accredited courses. Okay. So I also have a course then that many professionals take, actually. So members of Angarda Shikona, solicitors, juvenile liaison officers, again, people who are dealing with individuals like James Steele in the course of their work, and it's very useful for them to have this kind of insight. So people do not need to become, you know, fully qualified practicing psychologists for this kind of information to be very, very helpful to them okay. in the work that they're doing. Right, at the Department of Adult and Continuing Education at uh, UCC. Thank you very much, Dr. Kira Staunton. Trying to take a look inside the mind. Thank you, Kira. Inside the mind of a stalker. And she reminded me of something there uh, about Una Ring. And again, I, I thought of all the people that I've interviewed on this program in the last 12 months, you know, certain comments that people make sit with you and stay with you. And the one was when Una Ring had been through all of this and when James Steele had been taken away to, to serve time, sentenced to seven years with the last two suspended, he'd probably do three or four. She then stressed to other people to leave his family alone that he had a family and that they deserved kindness and that they deserved a break and that people shouldn't take this out on his family. That was an extraordinary gesture from Una Ring, one of the most impressive people I think I've ever had the uh, opportunity to speak with.
on the opinion line, which was where she did her first major interview after that court case earlier this year. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See Lehan this is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. We were looking into the takeaway pints out of some pubs and important to stress it's only some. It's, it's not most pubs, it's only a handful. Of pubs, but PJ regarding takeaway pints says Paul they can be sold, but cannot be consumed within a hundred meters of the premises. But as you know, in Cork, Dublin, and Galway, there's a bylaw stating it's illegal to drink in public anyway. So take that into your pint glass of refreshment, meal flour. Yeah, there is a bylaw in the Cork City Council area that says you cannot consume alcohol in a public place, like the Lock or Bishop Lucy Park. Or anywhere like that. You can't do it. In the middle of the street. If I walk down Patrick Street with a can in my hand, a guard has every right to take it off me. Why isn't that happening? 1850-715-996. Willie says, I was in the Ballancolic Park. People were enjoying themselves in a responsible way. But from what I hear about yesterday, the guards should have come straight away to the lock. Because if the government says A, some young people are just saying B. You need to nip this straight away because it'll become a challenge now forever. It should have been stopped within 20 minutes. The government have screwed up this pandemic response. They have no knowledge of human nature. Golfgate, the vegetable and fruit pickers, the plane loads from Brazil are an insult to people. And some of them will respond by insulting you back. They don't think of the people they're hurting. They see it as giving two fingers to the government. You need to lock down very hard and very fairly. Then once it's under control, you need to keep it under control. Well, the things like people coming in from Brazil to work, I've no problem with people coming in from Brazil to work once they're properly quarantined when they get there or get here for two weeks. I have no problem with fruit pickers coming in either because it's a skilled job and these people go all... We looked into this last year. A lot of people go around Europe from start to end of the season picking fruit. It's skilled. This isn't students out making a couple of quid. These are professional fruit pickers who go around Europe doing their job at various times in the season. But they should also quarantine, preferably in a hotel when they come here. If they're doing that, I have no difficulty with it at all. But I see your point, Willie. Some people look at what the government is saying and do exactly the opposite. It's about time the government woke up Bring out the army. Look at all the people coming in and out of the country. We're stuck in our houses for 12 months. I, for one, will be breaking laws in June if we're not out of lockdown by then. And one other thing, where are the guards yesterday from Cork to Yall? It was like the summer with the crowds down in Yall. Thank you from Francis. So they're talking about bring out the army. Tom, what about my right not to catch COVID? You've all these scumbags going on about their civil rights. Even if they have rights under law... What about my right that I try to avoid, that people, or I'm, I'm inclined to, what about my right to avoid harm coming to me? Good man, Tom. Loads more, loads more. I could be there all day 
and I will probably, I will po- promise you that I will do more. But let's check in with Cheltenham. Today is day three. I have no idea how it's going. I sat out the back yesterday. I didn't look at the telly. I didn't look at the racing. I don't know anybody who's won a whole pile of money uh, this week. But how is it going? Uh, when when um, when Rory Burke was on with me here the other day, he mentioned the name of Paul Townend, local Cork jockey, and he said, watch Townend. He might well become the champion jockey of Cheltenham. Let's go to Patrick Mulcahy from C103 Sport. Patrick, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Is Rory right? Is Paul Townend on course? Paul Townend is doing reasonably well. Probably didn't have his best day yesterday. Um, whether he's on course or not, it's well, today is what they call championship day, moving day. He's got a couple of big rides. He's won off the leader, Rachel Blackmore, the Tipperary woman who famously won that champion hurdle on Tuesday afternoon with Honeysuckle, the first ever lady jockey to win the champion hurdle, is on top of the leaderboard with, with three wins to her name. Paul Townend, with just two so far, appreciated the opening race on the first day of the festival. And then yesterday, of course, with uh, Monkfish, he's got a couple of decent rides going into the day. And, of course, tomorrow, the big day tomorrow is in the Gold Cup, which we'll touch on in a short while. Yeah. What is the... the I was asking Rory the same question the other day. Pat, for you, what, what is the, the, real, the real attraction of this race meeting? I suppose, from my own personal point of view, and being involved in racing for all my life, and, and my father has been involved for, for many years, we breed horses at home, and you sell the horse, and I, I suppose you have an affection with the horse the whole way through its life, and when it gets to Cheltenham, when you, Cheltenham, when you breed a horse to be a Cheltenham runner at PJ, it just feels something special. It's like, having a child playing hurling for Cork or going off playing soccer with Manchester United or Arsenal or Chelsea, whoever it might be. Mm. It's just something like that. You're in the grassroots and you feel you've got something affectionate and involved. That's just from my own personal It's the biggest of stage of the, of the sport. Absolutely. This is what they call the greatest show on turf. Yeah. You know, and that just it really does epitomise it. I've been in Cheltenham for the last three years myself uh, and it is just something unique. The English, they do something really well in big sporting events, the likes of the Royal Ascots, the Aintrees, the Cheltenham Festival, they just do them so, so well. The horses are good, the entertainment is good, the value of it is very good. You know, it's just something unique that the English can do so, so well. What can we look out for? So there's two days left today and tomorrow. What should we be looking out for? Cork connection is most important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just to briefly touch on just two Cork connections, or one Cork connection we didn't mention there a while ago, Richie Condon, a young man from Connor who won the Coral Cup yesterday in his first ever ride. Um, A a massive win for the man from Connor, only 25 years of age. Big uh, kudos to him. The next two days, mentioning Cork connections, we mentioned Paul Townend. He's got a couple of big rides going forward over the next couple of days. Uh, he's got uh, Ashley and Falange in the opening race. But I suppose all Cork guys really would be on the Mick Winters trend, uh, Chatham Street lad who won at Cheltenham last uh, December. Uh, Mick Winters famously, after winning the race, went for a roll around the Cheltenham parade ring after winning that race. Darrell Keith, the man from Donnerail, will be on board. So big uh, shout out to them. In the 305 today, Listener Garasco, who was braved by uh, Castellines man, Dennis Fitzgerald, won that big race last year. And Aidan Coleman, who picked up the Queen Mother Championship win yesterday, which nice. put the kettle on from Inna Shannon. He is going to be riding in the big race as well today. And a small trainer, just to give a mention to as well, because it is all about the big. Big, big trainers and big owners and big jockeys but one of the smallest trainers in Ireland but he's having influential difference uh, this season Jonathan Sweeney the man from Rat Cormac 
he's got a big chance with Rosie's Hollow in the 4.15 and so tomorrow we mentioned about Paul Townend the yeah the Gold Cup the is the big one like that's kind of again people who never take a flutter on anything do yeah. the Gold Cup and the do the Grand National now we're not supposed to promote betting and we're not doing that just so no. you know but if I had a fiver tomorrow how might, how might, might I at least get it back and just, and just, I suppose I'm just going to emphasise just the betting angle. You should only lose. You should only bet what you're willing to lose, Correct. not what willing Correct. to win. And if the fun stops, you should stop. Yes, you just yes. iterate that. Absolutely. Um, album photo tomorrow. He's got a massive chance. He's after winning the last two World Cups. I think he's got a real, real life chance. But if you want to have your fiver PJ, and I'm only talking to you now. That's right. right? I would have it on the car course running in the following race, the Amateurs Gold Cup. Now, the, as Rory said on Tuesday, the Amateurs aren't allowed right this year. But the Eugene O'Sullivan trained, it came to pass, who won the Fox Hunters last year, has got a massive, massive chance again tomorrow with the ground now drying out. It's turning a bit more to the top of the ground. There's no cut. The course is not going to get into the ground, is what we call it in racing. It came to pass, has got a massive chance once again in this uh, 340 right. tomorrow. All right, listen, Patrick, I know you're enjoying it, even though you can't be there in, in real life. But uh, thank, thank you so much for that. That's Patrick Mulcahy from uh, County Sound. Three, one, C103 Sport. Rather, C103 Sport. And Community Radio Y'all. He does a bit of work with them as well. And also, he is the man, he is the man who nearly fell out of the stand at Cork and Kerry last year. That's where you've heard that voice before. 1850-715-996. Extraordinary story in the examiner today a salutary lesson to parents using baby monitor cameras Michaela good morning good morning what happened um so we i'm sure people have seen the story on facebook and in the newspapers we didn't expect it to blow up like that but like most parents we used a baby monitor um but we chose to use a camera baby monitor with an app that you install onto your phone. Um, so it's quite a high-end product. It was almost €200 Euro, uh, for the camera. And mm. you download the app, and from there you can see your baby whenever they're kind of in view of the camera, no matter where you are. So um, one night, we recently in February, we had uh, put Theo to bed at around half seven, and of course, like any other parents, we go up and down and regularly check on him. But I have another child as well. So, you know, we're with her until she goes to bed and that. So we use the app. We constantly have it open on one of our phones or on a tablet. Um, well, we actually don't have it on a tablet. We didn't have it on a tablet at that point. We had just had it on the two phones. But the options are that you could, could put it on any sort of smart device. You know, um, you just need your login details and your password. So we put the out to bed. Uh, my partner actually put him into the bed and I had made it up that evening and we both went downstairs and as you do, we were regularly checking on him and looking at the app. And at around 10.30, uh, my partner glimpsed down, you know, just to make sure everything was still okay. And um, there was an image of an empty cot. And Theo wasn't, he wasn't there. My what? partner flashed. Sorry, go on. No, no, it just... Okay, an image of an empty cot. That was was a shock, to say the least. Oh, very, very much so. Um, My partner flashed the phone at me and I thought, oh my God, is is this some sort of a joke? I said, are you joking? And he uh, he said, where's Theo? And was quite panicked and it all happened very fast. He jumped up off the couch, I ran after him. 
uh, on the way I checked the back door and the front door and we, we bolted upstairs and, um, you know, the image is still of this empty cot and uh, we run into the bedroom and Dean gets over to the cot and there's the baby and he's lying there peacefully asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but the image is still of an empty cot until we get in view of the camera and up flashes real-time image of Theo lying there, you know, happy out, fast asleep. Um, and you can, then we're, we're in real time, so you can hear noise disturbance. You can hear us talking through the, the app because the camera's picking that up. And, sure. you know, where I scooped the baby up and I was holding him and, you know, we're terrified. But at the, at the point where we had seen the, the image, you know, my partner is running up the stairs and I'm thinking the baby has fallen out of the cough, even though he's tiny, yeah. <laughs> you know. And my partner thinks that there's going to be somebody that after breaking into the property and, and picking the baby up. Um, but what we... Your, your entire have, life flashes before your eyes gone up that stairs. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, we don't. Um, I think, you know, the Claire Byrne show and the newspaper articles, you know, may have painted a picture that we were very far away from the baby, but we were literally were in a, in a mid-terrace, three-bedroom house, so we, we were in the room within a minute, you know. Um, but for that minute, we were absolutely terrified. Um, so what, what kind of came to light then all very quickly, you know, I'm, we're standing in the room, we're panicked and um, we're checking the room and talking about the fact that, like, I've woken the baby up and he's now crying, he's disturbed and I'm obviously very, very shaken and my partner turned to me and said, Michaela, the the red light is on, which means that on this particular app, it's an outlet app um, and on this particular app when it's streaming, when it's live streaming and somebody's watching, it's red and um you know we had we turned off the app on both our phones and we stayed in the room and we you know could see it was still live streaming and eventually like after about five or six minutes dean turned to the camera and said um we know you're watching us we know someone's watching this and the lights turned to blue immediately so, which just to me clarify you you turned off the app in both your phones. Both our phones, yeah. So yeah. it couldn't have been you were it watching. Wasn't us, no, right. and the so night before but, we had actually realised that something. Well, we're sleep deprived parents, as as anybody yeah. with a little baby is. So yeah. the night before, we're in bed, uh, in the same bedroom as the baby, and um, both our phones. You know, we wouldn't have been logged into the app, um, and we're watching TV. Baby's asleep, sound and the camera flashes to red and it's quite an obvious, it's an LED indicator, like, you know, an indicator yeah. light. It's quite a bright light. So it flashed to red while we were sitting in the bed and my partner turned to me and said, like, Michaela, that's, that's streaming, that's on red. And I said to him, check your phone, have you got the app on? And he said, no, he took his phone out, he checked, I checked, neither of us had the app on and it stayed red streaming until I got up and, um, you know, plugged it out. So after the incident we had, we actually took the camera downstairs and my partner videotaped it going back on to live streaming and turning off again um, after a couple of minutes when he showed his face and spoke into the camera. So, you know, it was very obvious that there was a hack going on. Um, But I know when, you know, we, we researched it, we contacted the manufacturers. I actually contacted the manufacturers straight away that night. Um, and once I, when I was detailing that I needed some assistance, they were very helpful. And when I mentioned exactly what had happened, the chat was automatically ended. So I obviously went on to email the manufacturers. Mm. 
and uh, there was a back and forward for about three days where they basically they were very sorry to hear that something had happened and that I had concerns and they would give me a call you know they asked for a, a good time to call me and a contact number yeah. and uh, I never received the call and a week later well on the 8th of February I received an email where they changed their tactic and said could you actually call us um, so at that point, I we had already bought an old school baby monitor and you know discontinued use. And I'd been in touch with the Garda, with my local Garda station. I had done some research talking to friends of mine who work in IT and you know about how this could have happened. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, this is this is all terribly worrying, Michaela, because you you know you 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 buy the best equipment that's out there. It's supposed to work only for your phone and is it Dean is your partner's name for his, for his phone and and that's the way you set it up someone is able to access it someone Absolutely. is watching now my first thought is can you find out who's watching so that's what I try to find out you know I think um came across in, in on Facebook and on articles that maybe it was a password issue that we hadn't updated the password but in fact, we had. So what I was trying to find out, we'd co- constantly updated it to quite complex passwords. Um, but what I was trying to find out was what the IP addresses who had logged in, you know, to our specific app would be. Because I assume that every app you log into, you know, it details the IP address. Mm. Um, so the manufacturers should have been able to provide that to us. And that's what I asked. Yeah, it should have been, day. actually, it yeah. should have been visible from uh, I would have believed so, you know. If you, you, you as the owner email, of the equipment, should have been able to access whatever IPSs were 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 logged on that exactly. And you can for anything like your email, your Instagram, any of those apps. You know, there's yeah. security there where you can see the the most recent. Absolutely, activity. even 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 if I'm if I'm at home, and someone opens a computer here where I've accessed social media in in the building here, I yeah. get a ping on my phone. To know is to that okay or do I, do I want to shut it down? Absolutely. So that's you know that's where we were coming from. Where is the two factor authentication? Where is the security? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've since read so many disturbing articles about you know um, web unsecured webcams, and for all intents and purposes, that is what the baby monitor is. Yeah, it's, it's using your we, Wi-Fi to transmit to you. Just one, yeah. I, there is a statement carried in in the examiner, which which I think in in the in the interests of balance, this is a spokesperson for the company, Outlet. Uh, they they say they take great care to keep devices secure said they use the latest encryption standards to keep data safe. They say all communication between customers' phones and their devices are also encrypted using the standard encryption protocol. User data stored in the mobile application is only accessible to users logged in to the application through their smartphone. It also says it conducts regular security audits with a top-rated independent security firm, which is all very well, but at the end of the day, somebody was streaming pictures from your camera I received that very same statement on Sunday night after on the back of Clare Byrne um, their producers contacting Owlette so to give clarity on that that's six weeks from when I raised my concerns with Owlette the first bit of contact I received was an email late at around half eleven on Sunday night Mm. and I was due to be on the show on Monday Can I make a a suggestion Michaela and you probably thought of this have you thought about giving the device to the Gardaí and ask them who's accessed it? 
So I, the very next day, I did contact the local Garda station and I spoke to a guard who was very obviously disturbed by it. And he said the best, he said, look, that he was very grateful for me to, that I had raised the complaint and that I had told him about it. But they didn't feel that there would be a criminal case or, you know, that there would be an investigation given that it could be anywhere in the world that somebody has accessed it from. Very true. You Very know, true, as, I, as I'm I sure. Totally I, I appreciate. Yeah. yeah, and at yeah. that point, like, you know, I wasn't, I, this happened to us and I posted um, just a bit of information about it to my own Facebook and then it, you know, it grew legs and it went yeah. everywhere and everyone was rightly very concerned about it. But I at no point thought we're going to catch these people, but I definitely wanted to raise the awareness that, you know, okay. we're putting cameras all over our homes and we're a young couple, you know, and Dean himself works in data. He's a technician and that. So we're not. We're not. You'd be fairly savvy then. We would be savvy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very, that's, that's very, very worrying, Michaela. Uh, Thank you for speaking with me today. Uh, That's Michaela Byrne. This story going on a while. It was on Claire Byrne the other night. It's been happening for a number of weeks. Thanks, Michaela. Appreciate you taking our call uh, on the opinion line. This is their baby camera, which they can pick up on their phones. The whole thing is supposed to be secure. Just their phones can access the pictures. Somebody else was hacking into the camera and playing around with the pictures they were seeing. And they've no explanation for it. All they've got from the company is a statement that says that they use the most up-to-date technology. Has anybody else come across that in Cork, using a camera and thinking that you might not be the only person using it? Shall we just say? A camera that you go into on your phone or your tablet and you say oh there's the baby that everything looks grand then they turn up the oh hang on there's no child there what there's no child there ran upstairs you can imagine the heart to be clattering around your chest upstairs oh there's my child so who put up the picture and there is the red light that says this thing is streaming so who's streaming who's watching it's not her phone it's not his phone they've both logged out so who is streaming and then he turns around looks into the camera and goes we know you're watching us and goes off what is going on? They're entitled to explanations. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. People who have a, a sceptical view or cynical view, rather, of politics look to stories like Mary's story about Andy and his school place. And they say, do you know, they don't care about places for kids like Andy and his little friends. They don't care about places for the likes of my youngster all those years ago. They don't care about places for kids. And one of the reasons they don't care is these kids don't vote. They will go on and they probably will never vote. It's very cynical. It's very sceptical. It's also very stupid. Because these kids all have families and relatives and friends who vote. But yeah, that's one of the thought processes out there in, in the world. But they, so they don't vote. They're not going to vote. Why would you bother with them? I know, very cynical, very cynical. But we'll cheer you up a bit because we're coming to um, an interactive section of the opinion line. Well, more interactive than normal. We want you to get laughing. We're going to try something live on the programme in the next 20 minutes or so. I have no idea how this is going to go. I watched a video of it being done 
on another radio station and I thought okay that might work it might also go down like a lead balloon but we'll try we're going to get you laughing because there is such a thing as laughter yoga where you relax by laughing laughing like a hyena like an idiot at nothing you just laugh so stick around grab a cup of tea and um, get a nice quiet place and close the curtains so the neighbours won't see you <laughs> and we'll have a crack a little bit later 1850 the number to call the text to whatsapp 083-396-9696 email opinion at 96fm.ie if you missed anything in our first couple of hours this morning Remember, it's all on the podcast, which you release in the early afternoon through Twitter first, and then all the platforms, including the Cork's 96FM app. What a proud moment for a bunch of young lads who started putting videos on TikTok a while back, and they have got an enormous following on the talk. 80 million views for one of their videos. And the next thing you know, they are up on the cliffs of Moher on Good Morning America on St. Patrick's Day. We are celebrating St. Patrick's Day and who better to help us step into this Wednesday than Corda. They are the Irish step dancing group taking TikTok by storm with their modern twists on traditional Irish dancing. And they are joining us now live from Ireland. It's good to see you, gentlemen. It's the top of the morning here, a little bit later in the good day. Morning. For good you. morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Are you ready to show us your moves? Let's see what you Absolutely. can do. Yeah, okay. Uh, we <laughs> oh. heard you have a special performance to Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. So take it yeah. away. Do your thing. So I watched another one last night of uh, a special performance of Martin Garrix. Uh, it's it's great stuff. It's Seamus Morrison and Stephen McGuinness and Seamus, you're Corkman and Stephen Femenis. Good morning, lads. How are you? Good morning, how are things? Good. How did all this come about? Oh, Seamus, you go first. <laughs> it all started back in the 1st of July. What are you on? <laughs> oh, I didn't know Seamus Stephen was on your phone. Sorry. <laughs> Walking around the house trying to find them. <laughs> so it all started back on the first of July where we came together. It was COVID was just after hitting, yeah. and sure, our world championships was just after being cancelled. So we were we were all dancing against each other in the world championships. So we decided to come together because we had nothing better to be doing than why not make a few videos. So we made the account on the first of July and posted our first video, which are like <laughs> all we we were, we would we would have been delighted with. Thousand followers. That was our, that was our main aim. But I think we've kind of, we've kind of surpassed that at the moment. We're nearly shy of like two point three million followers now altogether. It's incredible. On all our platforms. You went from competing against each other, like you said, Stephen, to wor- working together into just something that started out for a laugh, and now you're on Good Morning America. Well, yeah, I mean, we were competing against each other, but the second we were off the stage, we were best friends, hanging yeah. out. In the hall, the, the hotels they were on, or into the bar when we got over, and um, like I mean, we really just built up a good connection of friends. And the, the dancing world is fairly small, but we managed to even make it smaller with just ourselves. Like, and you know, there's no real competitiveness between us. 
like yeah. anymore and there never really was anyways yeah this kind of stuff started I suppose it's fair to say with, with Mr. Flatley and, and Riverdance but we've brought it right into a modern era now I mean doing it to Billy Eilish and Martin Garrix is a whole step ahead but Seamus the call came from Good Morning America how t- tell me about that so I remember we were it was just like a regular day we were all at the house and um <laughs> One of our managers sent a text into the group chat. So we've like two group chat. We've like the business side of things, and then we've the the crack company we call it, which is the seven <laughs> lads. Like we were just throwing the old memes, like at anything funny that we find. But um, Greg sent a message into the group chat saying, "Any chance, lads, you want to go on Good Morning America?" And like we put it, we put the screenshot of the chat up on our Instagram yesterday. It's like we were like, um, I don't know, is he being serious or not? But he actually was like, we just all went absolutely. You thought he, you thought he was winding you up? Uh, yeah, we thought he was only messing, like just for the crack. Like he, he was so casual about it when we found out. Yeah, it's, you were saying something there, Stephen. He was so casual about it. He was just like, "How are you, lads?" I was just on with <laughs> Good Morning America. <laughs> how many? How many viewers does Good Morning America have? couple of million anyway it goes from coast to coast <laughs> I suppose yeah a couple of million Arthur look tens of millions actually more like yeah oh there's millions of eyes on us yesterday it was actually class when you decide that you're going to do a dance to a song of whatever it is what's the process so when we when we were coming up with Good Morning America we basically seven of us and we split up into two groups of two one group of three we all went into a different room and just listen to a song and we're like okay we'll work on this they'll work on that they'll work on that and myself and Seamus were working together to come up with um, the Martin Garrix piece and we just took inspiration off um, dancing we've done in competition maybe even big pieces from shows we've seen over the years like Lord of the Dance or whatever mm. and we just put our own style on it then put our own stamp on it and it's like you just make it you make the dances work to the music like if it's a little like high piece in the music we'll do an extra high piece in the dancing and then, like, people really find it like, satisfying to, to see us be perfectly in It's the synchronization yeah. to the beat is just fantastic. Are those, do you know those boards? Are they mic'd up? Oh, not at all. They're just pieces of wood. Yeah. Because <laughs> people, yeah, I know, you know, you can't, that they have to be mic'd. They're not mic'd up. They're just there. Yeah. Wow. It's some, it's some sound. So, from Good Morning America... Clearly, this little idea that started up to pass the time during lockdown, it's going to get bigger. Is there a show coming, maybe, lads? Well, that, that's the end goal, to be honest now, PJ. Like, we really, really want to tour. Like, we're, we're literally, it's all COVID-dependent at the moment. Like, we're just waiting for it to just go away, like, so we can start touring the world. Like, oh, I'd say the US will be the first place we'll visit, like, because that's the, that's the majority of, the majority of, the majority of our audience is at the moment on TikTok and Instagram and all our social media platforms. So, and so it's like the US loves the Irish, like. Yeah. No, oh, I could see packing out venues across Ireland, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that as well. We'll be going everywhere. Everywhere. I love the ambition. And you mentioned the house. Do you all live together, lads? Yeah, we all live here at a house in County Clare for the past um, two and a bit months now. Right. And this we, is so you can like, work together, yeah? We yeah. realised we, we could go on all living in our own houses, like Seamus and Cork, he's nearly two hours away. Like, So right. um, we realised like, people would get mad if they saw us travelling that far every weekend to meet up and make videos. So right. we're like, you know what? We get, we get a house. 
we have to be together. And and tell me, you know the way people tend to turn social media into an income, is there a couple of bob coming in off TikTok yet? Oh, there would be a little bit now. It wouldn't be enough to sustain a job, like, but mm. <laughs> we're getting there. We're working would it pay for the electricity in the house, like, kind of thing? I do. I get a bit of the house. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of house and a bit of yeah. drink, PJ. That's all I want. Uh, well, listen, I, at least I, at least she brought it up, not me. Yeah, yeah. look, look, it had to be said. To be honest, it had to be said. I was waiting for someone to say it because I'm thinking seven, <laughs> yeah. seven lads sitting together, dancing, dancing by day. There has to be something done to pass the time. There has to be something done, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lads, it, I'm delighted for you. I used to, I watched some of your. TikTok stuff over the weekend and it's just or over the last couple of days it's dynamite and long may it continue and let you have more success exactly take thank care so and much. we can't wait for the show cannot oh, wait for the show PJ. cheers thanks, that's Seamus Morris from Cork Stephen McGuinness from Ennis two members of Koja the next big thing good morning America tens of millions of viewers saw them do Irish dancing to the tune of Billie Eilish yesterday morning I'm trying to think and I can't. She's a lovely girl. Uh, is it Morgan is her name? There was quite a controversy about it last year where she did Irish dancing. She's American. She's Irish dancing. And people were giving out to her about doing cultural appropriation and all this kind of BS that we talk about these days. But it, they remind me of, of her. It's just, it's just fabulous. Pop music done to an Irish dancing beat. Delighted for them. Cordia. And we have a Corkman in it. Seamus Morrison. 1850-715-996 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors Leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie Cork's 96FM's Select Irish J.C. Stewart Hey, I'm J.C. Stewart gonna break heart, then do it well. Leah Hart Hey, I'm Leah Hart being a select Irish artist for the month really helped my song Older reach multiple new listeners. Isaac Butler. Hey, I'm Isaac Butler. And I wish I could change the past. Sophie Doyle Ryder. Hi, I'm Sophie Doyle Ryder. They're all select Irish artists. Select Irish on Cork's 96 FM. It was a great platform for me to showcase my music on Irish radio. And you could be next. If you think you've got what it takes to be our featured artist, check out 96fm.ie forward slash select Irish. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, if you go into TikTok and just search Cordia, C A I R D E, they'll come up loads of videos and the crack they're having, and you feel nothing but jealous of them actually out there in their little house. In Clare, in wonderful weather, dancing, dancing and making a book out of it. And long may it continue for them. 1850-715-996. When was the last time you laughed? I mean, actually threw your head back and laughed. Laughed so hard that you had to draw breath at the end of it. And what was it made you laugh? And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's Mrs. Brown or whether it's The Young Offenders or whether it's an old concert or whether it's videos of fellas falling off tables. It doesn't matter. As long as it makes you laugh because laughing is good for you. And my my wife has a saying, uh, tis the laughter we'll remember. And a good laugh is is great. You know what you feel after a good comedy show? Like it's it's just the laughter, the the, the, the release of tension 
from a good laugh. We all know that. We don't need to be told it. We know how good you feel after a good laugh. But did you know that you can now do it as a form of therapy, a form of yoga, where you actually make yourself laugh as a form of yoga? Tis the queerest thing I ever heard. Marie Angeline Lascaux is director of springintolife.ie. I hope I've pronounced it correctly, Marie Angeline. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, you actually pronounced it beautifully. And you are absolutely right. Laughter is something that's actually free and accessible to all of us. And we all know how much we need it. Certainly the last year has been challenging for all of us uh, in different ways. But if we don't laugh, we cry. So I think laughing is a much better way of spending time than crying. And the, the beauty of laughter yoga is that it's not really like your normal yoga. You don't have to do any strange posture or anything. It's simply laughing. Laughing is a physical manifestation of something. It's, it's, it's only when you're in it and you realize it's caught the end of your breath and you have to stop to breathe. <laughs> like, the, what is the physical process of laughter and why does it happen that way? Why do we express fun and enjoyment in that particular way? Well, I, I, I don't necessarily know the answer to your question, um, but I do know one thing is that when we laugh, we definitely feel better afterwards and there's something that happens. It's like a release. Mm. Um, so, uh, for, for example, like with laughter yoga, we don't even have to have a sense of humor or a joke, which is great because I'm really hopeless at telling jokes or, or even understanding jokes. You can go back to that childlike nature of being able to laugh for no reason. And that's what laughter yoga is about, being able to laugh without even having a reason to laugh. In other words, you could have a bad day. You could be feeling sad or angry or bored or whatever it is, and you can still practice laughter yoga. Mm. And uh, I was wondering, actually, like yourself, I'd have a question about what laughter yoga is and why and all that. And the only conclusion I came is like laughter yoga, because yoga is about being present in the moment. So you're not worrying about yesterday or tomorrow. You're just there at the right time. You know, body, um, it's body, mind, and spirit in the one place at the one time. Mm. And if you do laughter yoga, Fergal, you're actually going to be not at all thinking about what happened earlier in your program or what might happen afterwards. You're 100% in the moment. In the moment, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and you don't have to be looking at something funny or, or hearing something funny. No. You can actually make yourself laugh. And it becomes, I think what you're saying is, Marie, it becomes as as helpless as <laughs> when you are standing in front of a comedy show because if you're doing it right, your body will take over. That's exactly it. And you know what? There's something else that people may not know about laughter yoga is we all know we all have maybe spend more time near the kitchen and we might have taken a few extra pounds during the COVID thing. Yeah. Well, laughter yoga will turn your tummy muscles. Because if you laugh from your belly, right. it actually messes your belly. So it, it is said that doing laughter yoga has the same effect as going on the rowing machine. And obviously, we can't go to the gyms at the moment anyway. Right. But <laughs> it's so much more fun to laugh. And it also brings down the stress hormone, the cortisone, and brings up the serotonin, which is your happy hormone. So when you laugh, you know, it actually makes you feel better. And we all know that laughter is contagious. So if you have, if you're laughing, Fergal, your listeners will probably laugh with you. They do. Whether they they do say laughter is the best medicine. 
It absolutely is. A hundred percent. It actually boosts your immune system as well. So that's a good thing How to know. How does that work? Well, it's it's to do again with with the um, the serotonin, and also okay. um, it actually increased the level of antiviral and anti-infection cells. Um, so it's actually good to know that. Um, okay. Again, I'm not a scientist or anything, right. so I, I, that I don't necessarily know why or how. Okay. Okay. Um, but I know it's also great for it's it's great way to oxygenating your body. Oh yeah, um, because when you ha- when you run out of breath, you have to take bre- deep breaths, and you yeah. Yeah. Yes, and then psychologically, of course, it, yeah. it's really beneficial. You know, if you join a yoga class, you might have to do quite a few yoga classes before you can really feel as quickly. The, the, with after yoga, it's instant, you yeah. know. And, and I hope that your listeners will be taking part and laughing. Well, well now, we'll what, we, what, we, what we've done together. is, and, and not for the first time on this program, I've run the yeah. risk of making a complete fool of myself. Uh, but but what, what, we've, what we've done is... We've asked people to listen in and maybe get them to turn the radio up a little bit just now. And if anyone feels like taking part, we'll see how it goes. So, so do you want to try something with me and see where we go? Should I stand up? You can sit or stand or do whatever you want. Um, we, but we'll, stand, we'll stand up anyway and I'll just make it look <laughs> like I'm doing something. And we lift up the microphone. So here you go. Okay. Right. So... Well, I think the easiest thing to do, because uh, with laughter yoga, normally there's the visual part as well, but of course we don't have that on the radio, but we definitely have the sound and laughter is contagious. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce the three basic laughter. Okay. So in laughter yoga, there's a laughter for the face, there's a laughter for the heart, and there's laughter for the belly. So we might start with the laughter for the face, okay. and it's like making a big smile with your lips. And the sound is hee hee hee. So at the, con- <laughs> at the corner of three, we'll do hee 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 together. One, okay, two, one. three. <laughs> you have me at it anyway. <laughs> oh god! But you have me at it anyway. Go on. That was spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, right. So maybe we'll we'll go to the heart in a minute, but okay. we might just start with the belly. And the belly is actually what I call the big Santa's laughter. You know, right. the ho, ho, ho. <laughs> so maybe the corner of three will do ho, ho, ho again. Okay. One, two, three. I don't know why I'm laughing at you or laughing at me. This this is good. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And what's the heart one then? then? The one for the heart is probably the one that most people are familiar with. Um, yeah. Is the ha ha ha? So the count of three: one, two, three. I don't know. I don't know which is. Oh, stop it! I'm out of breath. <laughs> and can you already feel the difference yes. within yourself? Well, what I noticed there was right yeah. that you, you gave me, you told me t- the particular way to laugh, and the minute I started doing it the way you said, I spontaneously just burst out laughing. <laughs> That's 
That's with proper cool. laughter. As That's in, really cool, yeah. It's it kind of, I know in my heart that around the kitchens of Cork City and County, people are listening going, what is that idiot doing? <laughs> Yeah, but that's the thing. But the, the, the beauty of laughter yoga as well, and that's something I might, I might not have mentioned yet, is that the brain doesn't know the difference if you fake laughing or, or really laughing. So maybe at the beginning of a normal laughter yoga workshop, it could be that some people are a bit self-conscious. But if yeah. they go through the movement and they might even just do he, 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 <laughs> like my laughter is really stupid. I know that I'm great at facilitating that because of reason. So, you know, people might laugh at me. I don't care. But just laugh. You know, yeah. it's contagious. Like, I could hear you laughing, and it really is great because we were both laughing, and I'm sure your listeners were laughing in the kitchen or in their car or whatever, wherever they might be. I'm sure they were. Listen, it was, it was, you used to do this, I think, well, before COVID, you used to go into, go to groups and do it at parties and stuff. That's right. So basically, a lot of the time I work by invitation. So it would be, um, and actually, it's, it's still happening a bit on Zoom. So uh, companies would would invite me to do something for the for the the members, for the people who work for them. Um, and it normally would have been in a group. We would be sitting in a circle to begin with. Uh, we do a bit of warm up, and then we push the chair away and we move around and there's a lot of movement as well like we interact with each other um, and then at the end we would do a laughter meditation and at the very end I usually do a kind of calming meditation or yeah. relaxation but I would have done things like hand parties as well uh, in the days that people could still get married <laughs> uh, but um, also um, you know things like birthday party or 40th birthday party or, or 30th birthday party 70th year old birthday Crazy. party and of course, I can see the attraction. Charities. I can see the attraction as as something that someone comes into a party and say, "Okay, we want everybody's attention for the next few minutes." <laughs> well, usually, if it would be a party or something like that, or a hand party or a birthday party, I would usually be the first thing. So I would come before they've had any alcoholic drinks. I do the laughter yoga, and then I disappear, and they go on with the rest of the evening. But what it does is it breaks the ice because sometimes the party, say if you're at your party, Fergal, you know everybody, but they don't necessarily know everybody. Yeah. Or if you had a stag night or whatever, it's like they don't necessarily know each other. But with laughter yoga, straight away everybody's connected because there's eye contact, there's the laughter, and we all feel that we know each other already, yeah. even though we, all we've done is laugh for no reason. Yeah. Um, so it's a great icebreaker in offices as well where, you know, you don't always get on always with everybody or you don't know everybody, but you do a laughter yoga together and it really blends the group yeah. together. It's a great okay. icebreaker and a great way of bringing people together. Um, well, so Selena, Selena was on from Drumahan in County Cork. She says, I'm both laughing and crying here. I'm working from home. It brought so much fun to the day. Thank you. Well, that's really brilliant, yes. It, it, that's the whole idea, isn't it, of laughter yoga, is to actually, you know, even though you have a challenging time at the moment, that you can still laugh about it. Yeah. And that's what I love about, you know, about the spirit of laughter yoga, is that you can laugh you can nearly laugh and cry at the same time, like this lady say. You know, you could be having a bad day and you could still laugh. You haven't sent, lost your ability to laugh. And in laughing, you can't change the circumstances, but you're actually able to deal with it better because you've kind of refreshed yourself in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Mag says on Twitter, she said, my 14-year-old is currently on a Zoom class and just texted downstairs, 
asking, has PJ lost the plot? She can hear him from upstairs. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? There's so many people think I lost the plot years ago or never even had a plot to lose. But I've certainly enjoyed the last few minutes. And I called you the wrong name all the way through, didn't I? That's and you never right. said a thing. Ah, sure, that's, that's, <laughs> oh all, that's all right. <laughs> Lovely talking to you. And the, the website again is springintolife.ie. That's exactly it, yes. And I, right. I, I, as I said, I, I work by invitation. So if anybody, even if they don't have an occasion, they just want a bit, bit of laughter as a group of friends, I'm quite happy to facilitate. Great. All right. Listen, Marie Angeline Lesco. Well, that was, thank you. That was a bit of fun. 1850-715-996. It, it greatly helps to release negative thoughts and emotions. Well, certainly what I found there was when I started doing what she told me to do, <laughs> within seconds, I was laughing spontaneously. I wasn't actually putting it on at all. That was very funny. Dara says, <laughs> Coogan has lost the plot. Coogan never had a plot to lose. Andrew, the last time I laughed so hard was only last night when I watched Michal Martin speaking to Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. If my mother's listening, she'll have me sectioned. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Here with you for the afternoon. We'll do some throwback Thursday. You can test your memory banks and take the throwback quiz. That's in plenty of your favourite artists to fly you through Thursday afternoon. See you from 12 on Cork's 96FM. Yeah, lots of people picking up on the comment from a while back that the guards should be vaccinated in order to do their job better and do their job to the best of their ability without having to have the fear of bringing home COVID-19 to their own families. It's a great idea. I'm amazed that the guards weren't among the first up there with nurses and doctors to get a jab. I don't really understand why they didn't. 1850-715-996. There are exciting plans ahead for a strictly no limits for Cork platform. Sinead McGrath, what is strictly strictly no limits? Good morning. Hi, hi PJ. Good morning. I'm actually out of breath now. I'm actually just been dancing around the kitchen. That's my song. Ah, yeah. That's <laughs> great old anthem, isn't it? Great old anthem. Oh, it's great. But you know what? Now it's after relaxing me because I was a bit nervous coming on. Good. And um, so it's after relaxing me now and getting me off to a good note. But, great. Um, strictly no limits for Cork. Um, we're a group of dancers, uh, not professional dancers, just people from around Cork City and County, all age groups um, who've come together. Um, we put on two amazing shows over the last two years. Um, we've raised about 80,000 euros already for our charity. We worked with um, Enable Ireland and we worked with the Irish Kidney Association. Both of those shows were sold out. Oh, doing big Strictly Nights, isn't it, with all the production, yeah. It is, yeah. It's a Strictly Night. So it's like, um, I think everyone would know what a Strictly Night is at this yeah. stage. Everyone's been from the charities and GA clubs and schools do them. So um, actually, Casey was one of our first judges and we yeah. loved him. And uh, Trevor Welch is our MC and yeah. he has been for the last few years. So well, they're great, they're great fun, those nights. I've, I've been involved in a few of them myself, but obviously we can't do them during COVID. Yes, and our last show was due to go like about three weeks before lockdown. 
Oh, sorry, after lockdown. So obviously we had the rug pulled on just like everybody else. Um, we couldn't go ahead with it and we've had to postpone it three times already. But our show will be going ahead and I suppose I just wanted to say that for everyone involved with that. It'll probably be next March, if not later at this stage, but we're fully committed okay. to uh, charities we're working with for that show is uh, Blood Bike South and the Cork City Children's Hospital Club. Great. So we're still committed to those charities for that show and anybody who bought tickets for that show because, as I said, we sold out the last couple of shows, that it will be going ahead and the tickets will be valid for that. But Great. Where this reason is coming from now is because um, the dancers that are involved in the group, they're all different age groups, as I said, they've ranged from early 20s, we've up to 70 um, and they've been involved and the way it works is they normally do some fundraising themselves for dancers. Yes. So, like, they do, like, mini ones, like table quiz now, could be a bingo night, could be, like, an 80s fancy dress. You name it now, at this stage, they've done it. So, yeah. what I noticed myself from that is that, like, um, like friendships have formed and, like, some of the strictly um, family now are friends for life as a result and, like, they holiday together, they might do weekends away. They, sure. And, like, obviously now all before covid um, like in the past and they'd be kind of like they just nice out and stuff like that so people have always would have said um, getting involved with Strictly basically that their social lives took off because sure. there could be men or women in their 50s who like their kids have left home or moved out and all of a sudden now they've this new social scene and the younger people then I suppose on the other side would be like all their friends are settling down and get married and have kids and they were running out of people to go out with as well you know so um, so the socialites, I suppose, think so. What I actually came up with, and people are going to probably think I'm not, but I probably am a bit. So, <laughs> like with the whole COVID thing, and myself included um, in this now, PJ, like I, I suppose, and I'm very lucky because I haven't been affected. Like I'm still working, I've, my family have been safe, and things like that. But mm. I just felt I, I was struggling myself, and like this past week, like everybody else, has been has been really tough for me. I'm just an emotional roller coaster, and as my mom used to say, my dad has been very near my eyes for no reason, <laughs> even though I'm lucky, you know? So mm. everyone I'm chatting to, and I'm very lucky, as I said, like, I have a large circle of friends of all different age groups, all different backgrounds, and everyone I'm chatting to, um, they're all, everyone is struggling. So I was like, you know what, I'm actually going to do something, um, obviously, obviously under all the guidelines and stuff like that, and I was looking at then how people have um, changed, like, volume homeschooling, where I'm working from home, yeah. um, like even fitness classes, I do know a few times a week online, I would have never thought I'd sign up for anything like that, mm. so we're all adapting, so I was like, there has to be stuff that we can do um, online, like with restrictions, and if people are off for it, and I was like, you know, I know I put it by my So what is it, <coughs> what is you doing then, what are you doing? Okay, so what is now is we're calling it confined me, okay, so like what we're looking at is maybe groups of six people with similar interests and um, similar age groups um, and everyone is welcome to join us. So, like, when restrictions lift, then we have a few ideas there. Now I'll tell you what we're thinking of starting with. But, like, when restrictions lift, then we'll be looking at, like, booking, like, maybe a restaurant favourite for six people. Cool. And you might have three men, three women, six men, six women, and all of, as I said, similar interests. So Cool. We'd, uh, one of my committee members then had a fantastic idea because there's a fabulous committee behind me in fairness. I'm really lucky with all my dancers and my committees are all very on board with everything. And one of the committee members came up with, like, even doing, like, you can do, like, a picnic in the park as well for six people. So I'm not talking out, like, Fisher's Park at, like, 2 o'clock on Saturday. 
I know. Obviously, you meet half a cork and everyone wants to avoid but that if you're on a first date. There's a, there's a uh, Facebook page, isn't there, where people can find out some more and, and get involved. No Limits for Cork. Yeah, it's Strictly No Limits for Cork. And we're on Instagram as well, Strictly for Brilliant. Cork. But I just wanted to tell you one or two more things about what we're doing on first week, if you don't mind, because what we're looking at when there's Strictly Limits as well is maybe walking tours of Cork because people are into that and stuff like that. And okay. with restrictions. So at the moment, what we're thinking of doing is like... Um, like video calls, you know, if people are for that, um, like you can do blind dates on video calls. I just done a test one this morning with my friends. Like you right. can have a WhatsApp group. If you take off your photograph on it, it'll be a fun way to do it. You know what I mean? Or like Instagram Live, you can do um, requests to join that way. There's like Zoom calls then. Right. You can set up and there's virtual speed dating and things like that. So I suppose it's just p- get people active out there. And as you were saying, like belly laughing, like <laughs> When's the last time we all had a good old belly laugh? Yeah. You know? And it sounds it sounds like, like like absolutely great fun. Sinead, I wish you well with it. And if anyone wants to find out more, they can go to Strictly No Limits for Cork on Facebook or Instagram. I have loads of stuff to get in. So Sinead, thank you for that. And and um you weren't that out of breath when you joined us. Thanks very much. Uh, enjoy and have fun with it. And if there's any big events coming up, let us know and we'll certainly mention them for you. All right. Thanks for that. Busy, busy day. 1850-715-996. We featured Emma Sophia very early into lockdown because her music started very early into lockdown. She's now coming up for her fifth birthday in May. And she's had probably her biggest hit yet to go with St. Patrick's Day. Word perfect. Mary, good morning. Hi, Peter. How are you? Good. Hello, Emma. How are you? She's flying it, Mary. Oh, she sure is. Um, we're absolutely blown away by the response. Um, I we uploaded a video, music video, to accompany it um, the day, uh, the sixteenth of March, and within twenty-four hours, it had reached a million views. That's incredible. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, the the video was filmed. Where? Because it's some beautiful scenery. Yeah, well, we're so lucky that we were able to do it all within our with travel restrictions. So we live just outside Kinsale, so we filmed it in Noble Cove and um, and Court of Partine Cemetery. So it's, um, it's we're just so blessed to live with such stunning scenery so close to us. And the old head of Kinsale, of course, as well, also features. Fantastic. Emma Sophia, hi. Hi. Remember when you started your show? You were only three. You're going to be five. When will you be five? Yes, um, the 18th of May. 18th. That is, yeah. yeah. Good for you. And, and are you really now excited about music? Do you really love being a musician, being a singer now, all this, these videos? You're a big star now, you know. Um, I do know that. <laughs> she does know that. 
Oh, listen, I think you're great. So nearly a million views now. Over at 1.2 million the last time I checked, yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. And where can we see it, Mary? Um, it's on her Facebook page, uh, which is at Emma Sophia Show, and also on her YouTube channel, which is Emma Sophia Show as well. And actually, she's um, she's got a website now too, and the track is available to download, um, and all proceeds go to the Laura Lynn um, Children's Hospice. And her website address is emma-sophia.com. Gotcha. Gotcha. Listen, yeah, yeah. I talk talk about a, a a budding star, and you know when I'm long gone and everyone around me is long gone, they'll be talking about Emma and her albums and and her success, <laughs> and she'll be selling out stadiums. I'm delighted for her, Emma Sophia, and that's Mary McCaig, Emma Sophia's mum. We featured Emma Sophia first on the show uh, back last year when she started doing her little daily shows during lockdown, and now she's got 1.2 million views for this. And the video's lovely, really, really well, and put together by her dad, Finton. There's lovely drone shots and all that in it. It's really nice. Emma Sophie, 1850-715-996. Quickly, before we finish today, a couple of things to do. I want to talk to the Lord Mayor, Joe Kavanagh, because I mentioned earlier on about the need for vaccinating the guards. I cannot for the life of me understand why the guards are not vaccinated. There's only 11,000 of them. They could be vaccinated in a day, less than a day, and done and dusted in less than a day. And yet they're not. And yet they've got to go into the scenes like we saw yesterday down by the lock without a vaccination. And they've got to go into more dangerous scenes than that without a vaccination. And it's just not fair to them. They're frontline workers like everybody else. 1850 I think the Lord Mayor Joe Kavanagh has something to say about this. Joe, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. You'd, you'd, um, you'd be inclined to agree, would you? Oh, well, I called for this weeks ago, and uh, because at the end of the day, I mean, what's more frontline than the Gardaí Shikana, to be honest with you? Yeah. Uh, on a national basis, I mean, anytime anybody has an issue, the first phone call they make and the first people they'll reach out to are the Gardaí, and they're, they're a 24 7 frontline organisation. Obviously, our medical and our frontline carers, medical carers, and the most vulnerable in society, obviously, are number one on the list. But as soon as all our frontline people are looked after, the next people on the front line are the Gardaí. And I really feel that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're just way too far down the pecking order. And it's 24-7. This is 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. This is 24-7. Mm. We will need our Gardaí out there on the front line, minding us, looking after us. Like, they're protecting us. No, we need to protect them, and they they have to be vaccinated. And I mean, not in six months' time. I mean, this should this should be started today. Yeah, they are part of the frontline service. They're the ones. They're yeah. one of the sets of people who go in yeah. when we're running out. Yes, absolutely. And you know, when it comes to public order in any shape or form, and things are starting to turn pear shaped, we're one hundred percent dependent on the Gardaí to maintain society as we know it. And moving forward, we have to have our Gardaí 
um, vaccinated as a matter of priority. And look, I, I've called on numerous public forums for this, and I feel very strongly about it, PJ. And there's lots of other frontline organisations, but people that work on the frontline. I mean, you've things like you people like bus drivers you've, who serve the public, you've ambulance drivers who serve the public, and there's many, many more. An awful lot of the, param- <clears throat> the paramedics and the nurses and all they've yeah. all been they've all been vaccinated. I'm not too sure about bus drivers, but certainly you, you, we need the guards prioritised. And you're wearing your your Lord Mayor's chain today, calling as first citizen yes. of Cork for the guys who vaccinated. Well, to be vaccinated immediately, All immediately. Right. All right, listen, thank you for that. That's the Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Joe Cavanagh. Before we go, calling publicly for the guards to be vaccinated, b- before we go, I want to give you the words again of Mary Crilly from Friday because there is a rally planned. Now, it's a, it's a, not a march, it's a, it's a rally for to reclaim the streets. They insist it's going to go on today at four o'clock. Mick Barry of Solidarity is pushing it on his social media and, and others are insisting that it happens today in the wake, of course, of the, uh, the, um, the, the, the Sarah Everard story from the UK. But there's, Mary Crilly, who has done more for victims over the years than anybody else put together, has asked for this rally not to happen. And I just want to finish today by playing that clip from Friday's opinion line where she said just that. She has asked the organisers of this rally due to be on today not to hold it today. I mean, I'd love to protest myself, and I was asked to speak at it, but I won't be speaking at it, and I won't be there. I mean, I just asked to, to postpone it because we're in the middle of a pandemic. I know I am already getting a bit of a backlash about it, as if I'm letting people down, uh, but I just feel I'm being responsible, and, you know, I will do social media on it, we will campaign on it. In a few months' time, I still won't have been gone away, because women will still feel unsafe, so I'm just saying, hang on there, just postpone it for a while. Okay, that's Mary Crill. I speak on Tuesday. I forgot yesterday wasn't a weekend. It was on Tuesday's opinion line, calling for that event this afternoon uh, to be postponed, even though the organisers are insisting it'll go ahead. They're insisting they'll all be socially distanced. They're insisting that they'll all wear masks. They're insisting that everything will be done safely. The simple fact of the matter is you're not allowed to have these gatherings in level five. Just not allowed. Loads of people talking about the laughter yoga. That was brilliant, says John in Blackpool, John Ryan. I'm still laughing. I don't know why, but I am. Well, that's the whole beauty of it, isn't it? You don't know why you're laughing, but you are. It was good crack. God, it's been a busy morning, lads. Very busy. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow for Friday, just after nine.